I'd like to set the stage where the listener, played by you, are searching through the airwaves for your favorite station as you're driving across the passes. Then you hear a voice. This voice. The voice is played by me, Jennifer. And you are captivated, of course. But as you make your way up the mountain pass, you lose reception. What was that show that you can't get out of your mind? What station was it? Will you ever hear the end? Or will you have to live in unfulfilled disappointment for the rest of your life? But then, one Monday, as you stroll by your neighbor Miriam's house from the hours of six to seven, through the open window, you hear it. Again, the sweet melodic banter of this much-searched-for trio, and you finally get the missing piece of information. Yes, you are listening to Dream Infringement on KSKQ. This is Jennifer, damsel in distress, Woodside, and my co-hosts, Emily, the femme fatale, Castillo, and Bobby, the reluctant hero, Castillo, for Act 1, Scene 1, The Theme, which is Experiential Control, a.k.a our go-to quarantine comfort movies and shows. Because there's something comforting about re-watching a film where you already know what the outcome will be. No unpleasant plot twists. Rose, we all know there was room for Jack on that piece of wood. Come on. Rewatching something is a way of controlling your emotions and helping you feel safe, something that can be beneficial if you're having a stressful time like running out of toilet paper at the start of the pandemic. Repetition breeds affection, known as the familiarity principle. Scientists explain that familiar things are easier to process. This is also a key component of Jennifer's Guide to Love and Dating. Wear them down over time. Films can also create nostalgia if you have a special memory attached to a certain movie. Perhaps you watched this movie as a child, rewatching it as an adult helps you reminisce about times gone by. Yes, like times when we heard the word corona and thought, yes, I'd like mine with lime, please. A recent study discovered that nostalgia can manifest itself physically as warmth and comfort. Your favorite film boosts your happiness levels. It actually helps increase dopamine. That's right. I don't need no drugs. I just need Drew Barrymore in a rom-com. Quick, hit me up. I need a new fix. Triggering this hormone makes you feel happier and lighter. The neurological shift also reduces stress levels and anxiety as they take you out of your everyday life. The stress of being trapped in your house with your own offspring or your parents if you are the offspring. So to start off with an intro song, this is Groovy Movies by The Kinks.
we reached out to some of our friends about the comfort movies and TV shows that they had been watching over the past two years and I'll be interspersing some of these vignettes throughout the course of the show but first off uh, one from reoccurring vocal contributor, our friend Kirk. My pandemic comfort food viewing has been a TV show called Foils War. It's a British World War II era uh, mystery show. Uh, the main character is a detective named Christopher Foyle, and uh, he's played uh, very well by an actor named Michael Kitchens, and uh, he and his uh, charming young driver um, work together to solve these various crimes that happen in the English countryside during World War II, and uh, it's a really great show. It's very well written, the performances are amazing, um, and it's, it's comfort viewing, I think, because um, it's about people who are trying to find justice in all these gray areas that uh, happen involving crime and war and uh, the main characters are are all very likable uh yeah foils war it's very bingeable man we haven't heard from kirk in a long time that was obviously a mistake we'll have to invite him back so he can weigh in on many more things hey dream infringers emily here And it is now my turn to talk about what shows and movies I find comforting. And I was thinking about it, and I think that the first uh, movie that that became like a comfort movie for me actively, I think there were shows I watched a lot as a kid, but this one stands out as like something I would watch to sort of soothe my soul. And it was the movie called about a boy it's called about a boy it's not just about a boy that's the name of the movie with hugh grant and a very young nicholas holt so at the time i think he in the movie was maybe like 10 or 11 and i was 15 when i started watching this movie and so he seemed like a little kid like a little baby kid and now he is like a grown man in his like late 20s and he's in a lot of things where there's like kissing and stuff and it just I can't I can't handle it I would love to be able to let him grow up in my mind but to me he's still little 11 year old sad Marcus from about a boy um his mom is played by Tony Collette and she is like truly battling severe depression and uh, Marcus is just kind of mixed up in the middle of it and then Hugh Grant plays a very um, self-indulged adult who is just interested in getting with the ladies and nothing else and he doesn't have an actual job his dad wrote a, uh, in this world of the movie, his dad wrote a Christmas song that became famous, and so he's been living off of the royalties of that Christmas song. So he's never had to give of himself, and he's never had to, um, you know, be 
dependent on anyone or have anyone be dependent on him. And so he ends up getting mixed up with Marcus and his mom, and he starts to appreciate um, having connections with people and just being, it learns to be a decent human being. Um, it's also based on a book, which I, I started to read, and it was really interesting, and then I don't know what happened, but I would like to finish reading that book. <laughs> Um, so anyway, 15-year-old me was very into this movie. I thought I was just going through, like, an angsty teen stage, which turned out to be actual depression. Um, it was comforting to see other depressed people, like, continuing to live their lives and then, um, make their way out of depression or just learn to... Um, cope with it, and I found it really touching how the idea of, of like, community and being there for one another just really resonates through the whole thing. It was also very, it was funny. It's a funny movie. Um, so that was my first comfort movie. Incidentally, I have not watched it <laughs> uh, during the pandemic, but I think um, now I will. Um, as far as what I've been watching through the pandemic, well, Bobby and I, we've watched Moonstruck a few times. I think that's one that comes up uh, with Jennifer. That is just a very entertaining, uh, wonderful acting, funny, charming. It's great. I don't want to go into it too much because Jennifer might have things to say. Um, I have watched... The Mirror Has Two Faces <laughs> twice during the pandemic. That was a new one for me. I I haven't really taken the time to quite break down in my mind, like, why I like that movie, what it is about it. I think Barbara Streisand in it is really great. <laughs> She's She plays just a really... Uh, intriguing character to me. I don't know. I'm gonna have to spend more time um, understanding understanding my my enjoyment of that movie. Or maybe I should just let it be. You know, I like what I like. Doesn't need any explanation. Um, so that's all for movies. I can't really think of anything else that I've watched repeatedly um, when it comes to movies, or that Bobby and I have watched together. If I do, I will maybe pop back on here later and talk about it. Um, but I we watch a lot of shows because a lot of times we are tired at night because we are parents of two very strong personalityed boys and it is so much fun and it is also exhausting. So oftentimes we fall asleep, uh, whether it's a movie or a TV show, so, like, some movies takes us two or three nights to watch, <laughs> and then um, TV shows, usually we can get through an episode, but sometimes we'll fall asleep during the episode. So, anyway, uh, we've been watching Seinfeld. I really like Seinfeld. I think it's funny. It's easy to watch. The color scheme makes me feel calm. It's like that 90s film kind of color scheme, lots of browns and neutral 
colors, earth colors. Uh, apparently those are calming and comforting to me. Uh, I also really enjoy Frasier because also it is funny and the antics escalating. I always enjoy <laughs> that in a good sitcom. And I think I like these shows because I've seen them all before many, many times over and over. So it's that um, familiarity for me. And also, I think they're all shows where you could, anybody, whether they're familiar with them or not, could pick any episode and watch it and know what's going on and get a sense of the characters and how they relate to each other. It's not something that I think anybody has to watch from start to finish in order to to get. So I, I like that too. I can just pick a, an episode at random and it will fulfill my comfort needs. So those, that's the gist. I think there might be other shows. I'm sure there are, but um, that's, that's what I got for you. So to um, pay homage to my first uh, comfort movie love, I'm going to play a song from the About a Boy soundtrack, which also was like a huge part in why it was so comforting. I love this soundtrack. I listened to this soundtrack probably more than I've watched the movie, so it's only right that I play a song from it. And the song is called A Minor Incident, and it's by Badly Drawn Boy. There's nothing I could say to make you try to feel okay And nothing you could do to stop me feeling the way I do And if the chance should happen that I never see you again Just remember that I'll always love you I definitely get where you're coming from, Emily. I, too, owned this on DVD, and for a long time it was on rotation at my house constantly. I think in part two because I really identified with the depression that the one character was going through, and then also how the boy Marcus had such a hard time fitting in. It is a movie that I have watched within the past two years, and the phrase Dead Duck Day does come into my mind on occasion. And that song makes me feel really nostalgic and really takes me back. I don't think I realized that we had that movie in common as strongly as we did. My friend Nikki let me know about her and her three sons. She says, during the pandemic, there are a few shows that stream over and over at our house. So for her oldest boy, Mason, who's 18, the office and parks and recreation are usually on in Mason's room, except at night he's been watching the old Columbo. Owen, who's 15, loves him some murder she wrote and Reba. Quentin, who is 10, watches the original Magnum P.I. and Gilmore Girls. And she says, I've been really into all the masterpiece shows on PBS. I just finished All Creatures Great and Small Season 2 and loved it. I can rewatch all the Call the Midwife episodes over and over and I love it. I also love mystery shows like 2020, 
dateline and 48 hours. That is quite some diverse television watching. Uh, I think it's really cool that your boys are watching things that feature female protagonists and that are older and newer and funny and interesting. Like That's really impressive that they all have such diverse tastes. Comfort movies. I did notice a trend over the last two years. I log my movies on an app, so when I say I notice a trend, it means that I've analyzed the data. And I love a great rom-com. That's kind of the sweet spot for me. Relationships, but keep it funny. The top contender by far was a 2011 film called Dorfman in Love. I'm sure everyone's heard of it, right? <laughs> the headline says it's a romantic comedy about the changes that transform a young woman with low self-esteem. Oh, I identify with that, do I? I do. And it's not by any means an amazing, you-have-to-see-it kind of movie. Frankly, I would be surprised if anyone else was like, I love that movie, it's the best. Because, it, I mean, it's not. It just happens to be something that I find comforting. It stars Sarah Rue, with which her kind of lisp and not underweight appearance are kind of refreshing. It's easy to relate to her. And when she gets ready to go out, the clothes she pulls out of her wardrobe are so un-Hollywood. Like, did she just go to a fancy, trendy bar in the city wearing flats, capris, uh, both of which she probably got from JCPenney? Yes. Yes, she did. And I understand those kinds of fashion choices. She plays a 27-year-old woman who cat sits at her crush's apartment in the big city while he's away. She leaves the suburbs, and it's a very transformative experience. She meets new people. She gets a haircut. She turns down a really sweet deal on a big cuchara. I don't know. It just calls to me. Next on the list was Sense and Sensibility. The one with Emma Thompson and Kate Winslet and Hugh Grant. Jane Austen is comforting. I think my take on it anyway is if you live in the land of nuance where you see all the social dynamics, all the strange quirks, both hilarious and annoying in having to socialize with other people, it simultaneously makes you feel maybe a little superior are a little in control because you understand things on this unsaid level, but it's also really lonely and isolating because it's no fun unless you can find someone else who is in on the joke. Jane Austen has always been in on the joke and it feels just kind of validating. Like, see, she got it, she gets it. <laughs> I We understand each other. And that comforts me. Moonstruck. I love the movie Moonstruck. It's funny because I'm not really a big fan of Cher. Definitely not a fan of Nicolas Cage. And he is really acting against type in this movie. But everyone is so idiosyncratic and weird and hilarious. Like a lot of the writing of this script and how everything comes together. It's just delightful. 
to me. It does not have to be delightful to you. <laughs> Just so we're clear. No calls to action about the delightfulness of aforementioned movie. There's an older black and white movie that is strongly on the rotation, and it's called The Bachelor Mother. It stars Ginger Rogers and David Niven. Rogers' character works for a department store, and she gets laid off. And on the same day, she's walking by an orphanage, and she sees a baby about to roll off a step. And she goes to rescue it, and it leads to a huge... Did you hear that? <laughs> we have some drama. My older cat wants me to look at her because she is holding a toy. It's very important that we all acknowledge that she has pretend killed a toy. She's a mighty hunter. And that's the noise she makes when that happens. My goodness. Uh, <laughs> so where was I? Um, okay, so it leads to a huge misunderstanding that this baby is hers. The orphanage gets her her job back, but there are conditions, and when she tries to return that child, it does not go well. The playboy son of the department store owner, who has to deal with some of this, begins to take a little bit of an interest in her. And when he begs her to be his New Year's Eve date because he got stood up and wants to keep up appearances, and by golly, we know Ginger Rogers can dance, <laughs> they realize there is a spark, but he's hesitant. Does he really want a ready-made family? But then his dad sees that baby <laughs> with the two of them together, and David Niven soon finds himself in the same spot that she's been in. They're just really, really funny together. I wouldn't say they have like a major romantic spark, but they have this banter. Their exchanges are great. They're very funny together, and she's dealing with all of these sort of serious problems like loss of a job. Now she's suddenly a single mother <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> she's just kind of taking things as they come. She still has like a lot of spunk and a lot of self-confidence and I appreciate that. So those are some of the comfort movies that I have been watching a lot over the past two years uh, when I need something as I'm winding down to go to bed or it's been a very panicky day or I just need something in the background to keep me company. Uh, it's probably going to be one of those movies. This song is by the Avett Brothers and it is called love like the movies because we often wish that we could say the right things and have the perfect lighting and also our own special unique catchphrase like you had me at hello or I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy asking him to love her or no one puts baby in the corner and perhaps an as you wish for good measure. But in the movies, there's not been love at all. With a twinkle in their eyes, they're just saying their lines. And so we can't be in love like the movies. We've just reached the halfway point, and our show today is about quarantine comfort movies and TV shows. Things that we've watched 
over and over that have just brought us a little tranquility and comfort during these unprecedented times. We have a small sound bite from one of our favorite mother-daughter pairs. This is Patty and Louisa with what they have been watching over the last two years. Hi, Dream Infringement. Hi, Dream Infringement. <laughs> we miss you guys. We do. So what movies and TV shows have we been watching over the past two years? It is quite a variety. It is. Indeed. Yes. A lot of British. A lot of British things. <laughs> Jane Austen and mm-hmm. all the Jane Austen all things. All the Jane Austen, Great British Baking Show. So much of that. Um, so much. I watch The Crown pretty obsessively when Louise is at work. Um, we we just just got hooked onto All Creatures Great and Small. Yeah. That's been a very been important... A so there's something about British movies and shows that's <laughs> deeply comforting to both mm-hmm. of us and intriguing. They know drama. We watched The Office until they took it off the air. We watched it a Frantically lot. to yes. get as much in as we could. And then yeah. we've been watching Friends, of course, because mm-hmm. who hasn't? Right. That's, you know, Seinfeld, naturally. Of course, that. <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, Dr. Thorne, we've actually watched that series several, several times, Mm -hmm. and they took it off uh, Amazon recently, so I had to actually buy it. (laughs) And I'm with you, Jennifer, on the Korean dramas. I have really gotten deep into the K-dramas, as well as Bollywood movies. (laughs) I am a big fan, and I have taken time to explore and um, appreciate (laughs) these movies so yeah I'm sure there's so much more but those are the highlights they are you know yeah not to mention Moonstruck of course Moonstruck that's an all-time favorite forever numerous and we will always watch it all the time yeah never get tired of it talk through the whole thing quote it all (laughs) yeah Yeah. I think that's about it I think that's about it Bye. Bye. So I had a theory that I shared with them about why sometimes like British movies and TV shows are kind of comforting. And I think it's that sort of keep calm and carry on attitude that like they refuse to show any sense of panic or hysteria no matter what's going on. There's always going to be very an understated reaction and also they're going to be generally fairly blunt a lot of characters are pretty blunt they just say exactly what they're thinking and feeling and so you always know where you stand with them and sometimes I get a little bit of a lack of fear of conflict by proxy I think I would never say something that direct because I would be afraid of the repercussions, but I enjoy seeing other people do direct things. They're living out my fantasy. So like I said, that's my theory about it, but I didn't research it. I just went by how I felt very un-British of me. I know. We'll have to see if other people think maybe it's that or maybe it's something else. Why are British movies so comforting sometimes? So by now you've heard what 
some people we know have been watching through the pandemic, but now it's time to know what the other people have been watching, you know, the public at large. So the most streamed shows on Netflix in 2020 were The Office, Grey's Anatomy, and Criminal Minds. Each accounted for more viewing time than any other show or movie, new or old. The most watched movie of the year was Frozen 2. Not Frozen 1, I guess, because everyone has had ample time to see Frozen the first. Um, so let's see what was happening on Hulu. Yeah, Hulu. The most watched episode, just the episode itself, was was the Little Fires Everywhere premiere, and it was The Spark. That was the name of the first episode. I wonder what happened after that. Like, what happened to the people that just watched the one episode and then gave up on it? I don't even really know what that show is about, so I've I have no no more to say. Maybe I too will watch the first episode and boost boost that statistic even further. The number one genre in terms of content hours watched on Hulu was unscripted series, and the top title was Keeping Up with the Kardashians because. I guess we still want to know what they're doing. It seems like they are doing the same thing they've always been doing. Why is that entertaining? I have no idea, but apparently it is. And then classic TV was the second most watched genre, and that included I Love Lucy, MASH, and The Twilight Zone. And I will say that we definitely contributed as a family to uh, that Twilight Zone percentage because we did watch a lot of Twilight Zone. I forgot about that one. Yeah, it kind of spooked me out as a kid, but our our boys uh, seem to be totally fine with it. They they are very delighted by <laughs> the creep factor that the Twilight Zone has to offer. All right, now I'm going to talk to a Netflix connoisseur, if you will, uh, he did not watch the most binge-watched shows on Netflix. He didn't watch The Office, did you? Um, partly I watched it, but I didn't really watch that much. <laughs> okay, and you didn't watch um, Grey's Anatomy, right? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> okay, well, uh, Weston, this is Weston, by the way. Weston, why don't you tell us what you've been binge-watching? What is your most current favorite comfort show most of you viewers that are listening to this podcast um you can tell us what your favorite show is if it's a text something else maybe like a just you can say it in your car if you're just listening to this anyways but i would have to say my favorite show is haters back off haters back off yes that that's been that has been heavy in the rotation for Weston as of late. So Weston, what is, first of all, give us a little overview of what Haters Back Off is about. It's a sort of kind of like comedy show about a fake YouTube star that is 
that overreacts to everything, has enormous lips, and is very nasally when she's talking. <laughs> and as I said before, she's a fake YouTube star, and it is... It's just very, very hilarious, like, the things she tries to do. Like, she tries to get into all of these clubs, and she tries to... She, she just... It's it's really, really funny. So, when you get to the house, after doing your many errands, you might be going to Trader Joe's or something, or, you know, shopping, your daily binge shop routine. Go to your house, put on Netflix when your kids are asleep, and watch haters back off. I'm begging you. It is so hilarious. Yeah, um, Weston. Uh, that's just to clarify. That's not a call to action, right? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. You heard it here first. That wasn't a call to action. Merely a su- a strong suggestion. Yes, a strong suggestion. Yes. Um. So, what about this show, Haters Back Off? Like, what is it that you find um, comforting? Because you do watch it uh quite a bit so what is it It, would you even say it's comforting um yes it is comforting you know sometimes i just put a pillow on the couch and get a blanket you know make some popcorn or something i most i kind of like play some mario odyssey or something for a little bit and then i turn the video game off i put haters back off it's really funny also because it's 2020 you can get all that you you can get all that you want like it, like it's 2020. Well, it's 2022. It's 2022. It's a it, a new era. <laughs> it's a new era. 2022. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Weston. Thank you for your recommendation. Thank you for weighing in on what you've been watching. You have one. You have something else you want to say? Go for it. Okay. Um. Now I'm going to go downstairs and watch the show that I was just talking about. <laughs> How appropriate. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Weston. You're welcome. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I'll see you downstairs later. Okay. All right. So I'm going to play a song from the musical Wicked. It's called Defying Gravity. And I'm playing it because this is a song that Miranda from Haters Back Off attempts to sing. And I think Weston will get a kick out of it. So this is Defying Gravity, not by Miranda Sings, but by Idina Menzel. might remember Audrey from our Quarantine Kids episode. We reached out to her and her mother Sarah to see what was being watched on rotation over in their household. And first up, we're going to hear from Audrey. Well, personally, I have been drawn to the Marvel movies. Um, I just, I don't know, I just like them. And also, I've been watching Monk (laughs) with my dad, and that's been really fun. And then, um, I've been watching Dr. Thorne with my mom in, like, older movies, which is really nice, too. Um, but personally, I am more drawn to, like, the mystery and the action movies. So, I really like that, and I've been binge-watching the Marvel movies. So, I really like that. And... Um, that's, I think I'm drawn to it because there's something new for me, and I like things that are new, so, yeah. 
And now our lovely friend and Audrey's mother, Sarah. Yeah, I think it's true that the reboots are comforting just because it's something that's familiar and everything feels so unfamiliar right now. So um, we've been really liking the All Creatures Great and Small um, series that started last year, uh, which kind of spurred reading the books, um, which has been awesome. Um, and then it seems like during the winter time, I'm always in the mood for a good, um, mystery. So, but with that, I also don't like too much gore. So, um, we've been revisiting the Poirot series that was like from the eighties, I guess, um, from PBS. And that's been really interesting. Um, and aside from just like in the mystery part of it, I think the clothes are great from the 1930s. That's one of my favorite eras. So um, those are the things that we've really been enjoying. Thank you, Sarah. It was so good to hear from you and kind of hear everything that you've been watching. I have not watched All Creatures Great and Small, but I think it's definitely on my list because I've now heard several people in a row say that they've been really enjoying it. I did read all the books and I loved the books. I find them hilarious. So if the show is doing justice to that, it'd probably be something I'd really enjoy. Thank you to you and Audrey again. TV shows. I remember at the start of everything. I binged 30 Rock, Community, Cougar Town, The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and Seinfeld, of course, along with some reality television shows. I have enjoyed 90 Day Fiance and some of the spinoffs from that. But of course, you know my love of K-dramas. And it's interesting because K-dramas are really beginning to get a lot more attention in the U.S. They're finding a lot more of an American audience. In fact, some of the top programs on Netflix are K-dramas, uh, but they tend to be the more like violent, stressful ones, like the opposite of comforting, and definitely not the rom-coms that I love. But some of the K-dramas that I watched through the pandemic that I have really liked. Uh, first off, top of my list was Yumi's Cells. So Yumi is an ordinary single woman. She's not very good at expressing her feelings, but through her romantic relationships and work, she grows as a person and begins to find happiness in her daily life. Yumi has cells in her brain that represent different emotions like love, violence, rationality, good and bad. Um, they deal with her emotions and troubles. So they're like these hilarious cartoon representations of things. I believe hunger might be my favorite. And it's so relatable and just heartwarming and sweet that I thoroughly enjoyed it and to my delight they are going to have um, a second season which is very rare for k-dramas usually you have like a, a span of about 16 episodes and that that is the k-drama they don't keep going so yay for season two hometown cha-cha-cha so yoon Hae jin 
is a dentist. She ends up moving to a very small seaside village almost on a whim after she quits her job due to having a terrible boss and she tries to make it in this very close-knit small town who is not really open to her because she's kind of shallow and materialistic. She's not really open to them. And then there's Hong Dushik and he's this handsome smart guy. He has like every license and every certificate possible. He can do anything. Handyman, extraordinaire, and he officially is unemployed, but he takes care of everyone in the town. He knows everything that's going on. And initially they clash quite a bit because she has such a more materialistic viewpoint. She doesn't understand why he isn't goal-oriented. She's not really interested in participating in the town activities, but she starts to come around. Um, they get together and eventually his past comes to light and he deals with some things and he's able to move past some of the hangups he had uh, so he can go on to be happy and, and be happy with her. Crash landing on you. So Yoon Sadi is a heiress to a conglomerate in South Korea. She's massively rich. One day while paragliding, an accident caused by strong winds leads her to make an emergency landing in North Korea. Oh no. There she meets Ri Jong-hyuk, who is a North Korean army officer. He tries to protect and hide her along with the help of his subordinates. And that's where some of the magic comes in because they are hilarious as a group. Uh, she learns to be more giving and less spoiled. He learns to be less guarded. And though it's a little stressful because of the political aspects between North and South Korea and like having to hide and subterfuge, the couple themselves had such amazing chemistry that they are getting married in real life and everyone is there for it. Startup. So as an entrepreneur needing to make $90,000 to open her own business, so Dalmi drops out of university, takes up part-time work, and dreams of becoming someone like Steve Jobs. Nam Dosan is the founder of Samsung Tech. He is excellent with mathematics, and he started Samsung Tech two years ago, but the company is not doing well. He interviews with an important consultant who rejects him, but later when a pen pal of his youth gets in touch with him, he decides to hire Nam Dosan to pretend to be him and take So Tell Me Out because she was the pen pal. And to his horror, they're all paired to start working together in sort of this project competition. And then he realizes he has feelings for So Dal Me. And why, why did he hire Nam Dosan to be him? And what will she do when she finds out the truth? And how will their startup go? Will they win? Will they be successful? Hmm, you have to watch to find out. But anyway, those were definitely some of my favorite K-dramas throughout the past two years. And if you're looking to break into the K-drama world, um, hopefully I was a good guide for you. If you are looking for a good romantic comedy, one of these might sort of catch your attention. So, Whiting, Himneo, you can do it if you want to. 
I'm going to play you out with a cover of Alien Ant Farm's song Movies by Tobias Robertson. In we can the rain. And this brings us to the close of the show. Thank you so very, very much for listening. It means a lot to us. And if you want to see behind the scenes or who we are, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram. Just look under Dream Infringement. If you want to listen to past episodes, we are on basically any kind of podcast app, including iTunes and SoundCloud. So you can delve into our origin story should you so wish in our short years we come long way to tree